All right, well, open your Bibles, please, to Colossians. We're picking up again. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20, and I will read to the end of the chapter. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom in self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Let me ask you a question to start out this message, and that is, it's a very important question. It's probably the most important question I could ask you. How do you relate to Almighty God in your heart of hearts? How do you relate to Almighty God in your heart of hearts? There's no more important question that I could ask you. So what's there? What is there in your heart of hearts? What is what is uh, the attitude? What is the relationship to God in your heart of hearts? And um, this is maybe a difficult question to ask you, maybe a difficult question for you to answer in your mind. So um, let me make it a little easier for you because there's only two options. There's only two options. Legalism or Christ. Legalism or Christ. Those are really the only two ways that you can relate to the Almighty God uh, in your heart of hearts. Um, so what is it that's in your heart of hearts? Is it God's own Son, crucified, risen, given for you? The Son whom uh, his Father said when he was on earth, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And when Christ lives in your heart of hearts, that's the atmosphere that prevails and that's the atmosphere that uh, pervades is that same love, except it's a love shown to sinners uh, on our uh, behalf. And it's an all-conquering love so that your relationship with God, according to that kind of love, becomes the best thing about you by far. And the thing that's most uh, important to you and the thing that's in your heart of hearts uh, before God. So is it Christ that is in your heart of hearts, uh, in your relationship before God, or... Is the best thing about you some elaborate system by which you usually convince yourself and uh, hopefully God that you're a good person deserving uh, God's uh, favor, but it's actually an elaborate form of hiding yourself from God, hiding your heart from God, hiding, hiding the hostility in your heart, which actually wishes that God did not exist if you could have uh, your own uh, way. So those are really the only two options. So I can make the question a little easier for you. Um, is it Christ or is it uh, legalism? If it is Christ, it's very easy to forget. It's very, maybe the answer is Christ. Maybe the answer is, is uh, truly uh, that Christ is in your heart. You're truly saved. And yet it's so easy to forget. And to go back into the ways of legalism, which are certainly familiar to you. It's the first thing that you've uh, ever known before you came uh, to know Christ. And that's exactly what happened to the Colossians. And it happened to them without knowing it. 
happened to them without knowing it. Maybe it's happened to you uh, as well. If so, it's not uh, unusual. Paul was reminding the Colossians in this letter, and especially in this part of the letter, not to return to legalism. And the Holy Spirit is reminding you this morning uh, in this service, don't, don't return to legalism in your heart. So this morning, I just want to give you uh, two perennial unchanging characteristics of legalism. Two characteristics of legalism. They're always present. They're always present in uh, legalism. And the first is this. It's the one that Paul uh, gives here. Legalism focuses on things that are not eternal. Legalism focuses on things that perish with uh, use. Paul's already been warning them at this point in the letter about against returning to uh, legalism. And he's comes at this point to come in a kind of a culminating point. And as preachers often do when they reach a, a key moment, he puts it in the form of a searching question to make uh, this point. So he says in uh, verse 20, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why is as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not ta- handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things destined to perish with use. That's what legalism focuses on. Not the eternal things, not the eternal things, but things that are going to perish when they are used in accordance with the commandments and teachings of, uh, of men. Uh, he asked them this question. He asked them this question, assuming they have died with Christ, actually. And actually, the grammar of this passage bears that out, that the speaker assumes that what he's assuming here is true. If you have died with Christ, and I'm assuming you have, is what he's saying, to the elementary prince of the world, then why are you living according to these decrees that focus in on things that are not um, eternal? He says to them, if you've died to Christ, sorry, with Christ, to the elementary principles of the world, why, why are you living in them? And, and their um, um, the elementary principles of the world are are um, characterized by these kinds of commands: do not handle, do not taste, and do not touch. What does Paul mean by elementary principles of the world? If you've died with Christ, you've died to the elementary principles of the world. Well, he's mentioned it already here in uh, Colossians. The word elementary can refer to things like ABCs, building blocks of words of uh, language, um, or the elements, what we call the elements like earth, wind, fire, water, or molecules, the, the building blocks of, uh, of um, nature and of God's uh, uh, creation. And the ele- basically the elementary principles are law-shaped. That's what he's talking about here. The elementary principles are shaped like law. And there is what answers to law. There's something that answers to the law in every person that you're born with, that he's talking about these elementary principles. And that is the conscience, the conscience, uh, unsaved people. Every person is born with a conscience, which is more or less of a compass to point you in the direction of being a good person. When you stray too far from that compass, it nags at you. Next, and unbelievers even, uh, they have that, uh, like a compass that the needle wants to point to the, to the true north. Uh, and, uh, that is an elementary thing that is element, uh, an element of every, uh, single, uh, person. And since that's the best thing in you that you're born with, and it is, 
as we're born fallen uh, in sin, and yet we each have that uh, elementary thing, that thing that's very much like law uh, inside of us. The thought that we're all that comes to each person naturally is that must be a way for me to have a relationship with God, is by following that, following that principle that I'm born with. I'm born with something that resonates with that uh, principle that's very much uh, like law, and it must be that by following that, by conforming to it. That's how I'm going to forge a relationship with God and come to have God's favor in uh, some way. And yet, in the wonderful wisdom of God, that's not the way to forge a relationship with God, as Paul says in this verse that I like so much. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom, through the best thing about it, did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who uh, believe. Uh those who actually find God, because he hides himself from those who try to find him according to that elementary thing uh, that's like law that uh, is inside each uh, one of us. But those who find God, or rather you could say who God finds, because that's actually how it uh, works, uh, come to him not with the best part of them forward, that, that, that elementary thing that's like uh, law forward saying, here's here's how I'm going to have a relationship with you is by uh, following this. I've done a good job or kind of a good job uh, with this, and that's how I'm going to have a relationship uh, with you. No, that's not how they find God or how God finds them. No, they must come to him in the shame of being an undeserving sinner and find him in the shame and the foolishness of uh, the cross uh, itself. So... Um, and the, the message of the cross itself is not an elemental thing. It's not something bubbling up uh, within you uh, from uh, within. It's a special message that comes from you from outside of you. And it comes uh, in through uh, your ears, not an elemental thing, but something uh, totally different uh, that by which uh, in God's wisdom we come uh, to know uh, him. Meanwhile, those trying to find God according to elemental things, according to the answering elemental thing that's found uh, in your heart, uh, change it from being law-shaped, which actually isn't useful to them, the perfect law of God. The perfect law of God isn't a help to them because the first thing that it calls for is the one thing that it doesn't want to do, which is to love God perfectly, to love God wholeheartedly. And that's not the final goal. It's the first thing that the, that the actual law uh, calls for. And so uh, instead of trying to find God with something that's shaped like law, man always tries to find God with something that's shaped like legalism, something that's shaped like law, shaped by man into something uh, very much different from the law of God, by which we seek to trick God and ourselves, and is actually just a disguise for the fact that we don't conform to what the law actually commands, which is to love God wholeheartedly. And so man who comes to God according to these elemental things, which is what all people do who, who are not trusting in the gospel, are a little bit like uh, Jacob, who tried to trick his blind father, Isaac, with the disguise that he was actually somebody else. And so he put on uh, the animal fur around him that felt like uh, someone else, but it smelled like uh, someone else, smelled like Esau, uh, to hide the reality that he wasn't uh, Esau. Uh, and it's the same with the legalist. He tried to put on some disguise 
to make him seem like someone who loves God, to make him act a little bit like somebody who wholeheartedly love God, loves God according to some measure, but actually doesn't love God. And one thing you know about uh, Jacob in that uh, situation is he wanted to get out of his father's presence fast. He didn't go into his father's tent uh, there to stay. He wasn't like a child restfully at home with uh, his father. He was tense. He was on edge. He wanted to get away. He didn't want to be found out who he really was. He hoped his disguise would work for enough time for him to get what he needed to get done and then get out of there, uh, away from uh, his away from his father. So scripture makes very clear, not just here, but in, in many places, especially in Paul's uh, letter, that if you, if, if you trust in Christ, that Christ's death is your death. Christ's death is your death. That's what the question is asking about. Um, if you've died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, through relating to God, through legalism, through, through uh, this law-like structure, which actually turns into uh, legalism, then why are you still living in it? Why are you still uh, uh, living in it? So trusting in Christ is a death. Trusting in Christ is a death. That's the way it's described in Scripture. It's described uh, very uh, vividly. Why is it described in that way? Because putting your trust in Christ, putting your trust in Christ, is the death of one pathway to God. And it's also the death of the kind of life that goes with that pathway to knowing God. And it's the opening of another way of knowing God. And it's the opening of a whole new life. And it's a life that's found in Christ. And so in Christ's death, by trusting in him, you die. And in his life, you uh, you live. So in this uh, passage of scripture that we're looking at uh, this morning, we're looking at the kind of life that Christ's death separates you from. If you've died with Christ, to the elementary principles. Why are you still living uh, in them? And then uh, next time we'll look at chapter three, verse one, the kind of life that Christ joins you to, the kind of life that opens for you through the resurrection of Christ. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, uh, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. And it's going to describe a whole different kind of life that's commanded for us and is opened for us by the life of Christ through that way of knowing God. And that's going to be described in, uh, in, in chapter three. But the, the, the life of knowing God through the elementary principles, which amounts to uh, legalism, focuses on the pursuit of legalistic virtues. It focuses on the pursuit of legalistic uh, uh, virtues. So he says uh, here, why, as if are you living in the world, if you've died with Christ and to the elementary principles of the world, do you submit yourself to decrees such as do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which refer to things destined to perish with use in accordance with the commandment and teaching of, uh, of men? Uh, first of all, a legalistic system of uh, commands turns out to be a replacement for the word of God. And that's what he says about this kind of life and the virtues uh, that are present in this kind of life, the commands of this kind of life. They're in accordance with the commandments and the teachings of men. And so these uh, commands, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, uh, are a substitute for the, the word of God. Uh, they may come in at first as a support to the word of God or a supplement to the word of God, these extra uh, commands, but uh, they end up replacing it. 
they end up eclipsing uh, the word of God, which is really the point of them in the first place. For uh, the, the legalist, that's why he twists and adds extra commands. Is actually to eclipse and replace the commands that he's not able to do, like to love uh, God. And uh, the, the actual commands of God are not useful to the legalists because they focus on things that he can't do. They focus on love. And so um, the legalist adds these extra commands that Paul's asking about. Why are you still living in these uh, extra commands that don't come from the word of God? They come to they come from the commandments and uh, the teachings of men. It's a totally different shape to these kinds of commands. The legalist uh, is not able to uh, to do what he wants to do with virtues and commands with the actual commands of God. And so has to twist them into a different shape. And that's what these commands are about. These do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. They are from uh, the commandments of uh, men. Uh, and the legalist commands focus on things, not to handle, not to touch. Uh, these are a sample of uh, those uh, kinds of uh, commands. The actual commands of the Lord focus on people, focus on people. And so when we get to those in uh, chapter 3, you'll find here's, here's what these commands are. And these, this is why these are not useful for the legalist, because he's not able to do uh, these kind of uh, commands. Uh, chapter 3, verse 12. So as you have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Those are the actual commands of God. And they focus on uh, people. And then uh, those already focus on people. But he says in verse 14, beyond all these things, there's actually something more central to all of those. Put on love. Put on love, which is the perfect bond of uh, unity. So the legalist clings to extra commands all the tighter uh, to cover up something ugly, to cover up the fact that he's not doing the commands of uh, God. A good example uh, of this is um, the Sadducees and the Pharisees when they were about to commit the most evil act that's ever been committed, the murder of God himself. And in the very midst of that act, uh, they were uh, trying to observe uh, certain laws that uh, were actually extensions of what God commanded them. I don't, I don't think even are things that God uh, commanded them uh, to do. John describes it in his gospel in a, a vivid uh, scene, verse 28 and 29. They led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium, and it was early, and they themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. Therefore, Pilate went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? And so as they bring their false charges to Pilate, uh, the Gentile, they want to be clean for the Passover. And so they don't want to go into the house of a Gentile. In fact, they don't even want to go into the courtroom where Pilate is. And so they make him come out onto the, onto the balcony uh, to come in and meet them because they're so concerned uh, about these extra commands that the, of do not handle, do not touch, don't be under the same roof with the Gentile. I don't remember that one in uh, uh, the Old Testament. But the point of it is to cover the ugliness of what they're actually doing, which is that they hate God. They knew what they were doing. They did it out of envy. Uh, and they, when confronted with God, they actually want to kill him and then cover it with uh, what, they're, what they are uh, doing. So these are sample commands. And, and Paul, he doesn't even say what these are about. He just gives um, some sample commands of a legalist. And, uh, do not handle, 
Do not taste, do not touch. These are not commands that come from God, but they're commands that come uh, from men. And you'll just notice in the sample that they're commands that have to do with things, not persons. And he points that out. He points that, that's the thing that he points out about these commands, not just that they come from men, but they all refer to things destined to perish with uh, using. God's command focus on persons, like the person of Christ, the person of God, the love that's found between them, the love that we're to have for uh, one another. The uh, commands of a legalist always focus on things that perish with uh, the use. So that's important uh, for us uh, to think about. As you think about your life, as you think about uh, the church, even our life uh, together in the church, what are what are the guardrails for us as a church, keeping us on track, keeping us uh, from uh, falling apart? What is it? Is it things? Is it, well, we only sing hymns out of the blue book. We don't sing hymns that come uh, from uh, anywhere else. Or the way we do PowerPoint, it's always in the middle. It's not two different screens on two different, there was, you know, it could be anything. But they, they tend to focus on things, things that are going to perish with the use. The hymnals wear out with use and we have to get uh, new ones the projector is also something that's going to burn it's something that's going to uh, perish what's not going to burn what's going to last for all eternity is christ himself is the people around you it's the people we're trying to reach uh, as a church through uh, the gospel and it's the people around you not just their souls, though that's going to last forever, but even their bodies. We've had an opportunity to remember the, the living hope that we have as Christians. And uh, the amazing thing about our living hope is even our bodies are, are eternal in some sense, are going to rise again and be changed to uh, live forever. So when you look at the person next to you, you're looking at something eternal. God's word, the commands of God's word, God's word focus on things that are eternal and uh, the legalist isn't able to handle commands that focus on eternal things doesn't isn't equipped to handle that and so always focuses on things that uh, uh, focus in on things that are destined to perish with use that are not important uh, as eternal things and Paul points it out to them in this uh, uh, searching uh, uh, question the guardrail for us as as a church is the love that we have for one another. And if, if we lose sight of Christ, we lose sight of that. We lose sight of that. And then the only alternative for us is to get into some form of, uh, of, of legalism. So uh, two characteristics of legalism. The first is legalism focuses on things, things that seem to mark purity, but uh, are not eternal and that perish with use, things that are disposable. Uh, while while uh, Christ focuses on uh, persons. The second characteristic of legalism, and the one that he talks about in verse uh, 23, is simply this. Legalism doesn't work. Legalism doesn't work, and he says that in verse 23. These are matters, and he's talking about these commands, the commands of a, of a legalist. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. The first um, argument that Paul makes against uh, legalism, it's, it's, it's uh, in the form of a question. It's in the form of a, a culminating uh, question. If you've died with Christ to the elementary principles, why are you still living in them? 
these uh, commands that focus on things that are going to uh, perish. And uh, he asks it in terms of a searching question. It was important for the Colossians this way, writing this letter to them, the, the purposes for them to not have an answer. Yeah, why am I doing that? I've died with Christ to those things. Why am I, why am I still uh, living in those things? The, the purposes for them to be uh, speechless in that. The second argument that he gives here, he gives by way of a conclusion. He's tying everything up here in uh, verse uh, 23. And uh, so this is what he says about uh, legalism. There are matters which have to be sure the appearance of wisdom, the appearance of uh, wisdom. And so when Paul talks about legalism, it's a subtle thing. It's a subtle thing. That's why he, he had to write this letter to the Colossians. That's why this was in danger of spreading to other churches. That's why the Colossians got into this and didn't even know that they had gotten into it. They, they, uh, it changed so gradually and so subtly, they never felt like they crossed the border in order to, um, or, or made a, a choice in order uh, to uh, do this. And it's because it, it's uh, subtle. It's uh, tricky here. And so he says, these matters, these, these uh, commands that have been, been introduced to be sure have the appearance, I think the King James Version says, a show of uh, wisdom. It seems like something that you should do if you're wise, these uh, 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 commands. And yet uh, they are um, of no value against fleshly uh, indulgence. These uh, laws do not handle, do not taste, uh, do not touch, appeared wise in, and he, he, he mentions the way it seems wise in uh, three ways, in self-chosen religion, self-chosen religion, in self-abasement, and he uses the same word for humility. In fact, it's the same word that's going to be um, described as a characteristic of the life that we have in Christ, except this is kind of a false humility. There's there's a very subtle difference between true humility and false humility. In fact, the same word is used uh, for them both uh, here. Self-made religion self-abasement, and severe treatment of uh, the body. And so things that look like wisdom, that might even be wise, can be turned into something that is legalistic, uh, apart from uh, Christ. And I think that I was trying to think of examples, specific examples uh, of this uh, that, are, that are more modern day, because um, the, the Colossians struggled with uh, their own. And I think really anything wise, anything good, uh, brought alongside of, uh, uh, scripture can be turned into, into these, uh, legalistic, uh, matters, which, uh, actually are a substitute for, um, Christ. So something good. I think of something like somebody who says, I'm not going to have any alcohol at all. I know, know people who have struggled with alcoholism. Um, and so they've said, okay, I'm not going to drink a drop of uh, alcohol. There could be not just that reason, but multiple reasons why that might be a good thing for someone to uh, decide. Um, scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says don't be drunk with wine. And so that's an additional rule. And it may actually be wise to uh, bring that in uh, for uh, some, but um, it, can be, it can be a substitute for uh, Christ uh, in a bad way. Another good thing what I preached on last week, which is uh, that you should read from your Trinity Bible Church uh, according to read the Bible according to the daily calendar every day of uh, the year. In fact, make it a rule for yourself. Adopt that rule. Scripture doesn't say that. Actually, what Scripture says is, "Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you." 
That's what scripture says. But it can be helpful. It can be wise to bring in something to support uh, scripture like a rule. Okay, I'm going to read according to that schedule, and I'm going to do it uh, every day. But let, let me make it easy about the danger because he's talking about a subtle thing. Some that do have the appearance of wisdom seem a lot like uh, wisdom, and yet they can be these things of no value against uh, fleshly uh, against fleshly indulgence. Uh, let me make it easy for you. Rules without Christ will always be legalism. There's only two options, Christ or legalism. And so if you forget Christ, if you forget relating to God through Christ, whatever rules you adopt, even good ones, even ones that are very wise, are going to be not just a support to help you in a wise way to do what scripture tells you to, but will be a substitute for God's word. And so the problem that the Colossians uh, were dealing with is not something so uh, exotic. If you forget Christ, you will do the same thing that they did. You'll find a way to do it. The same, In fact, you already have. If you've uh, forgotten uh, Christ, you'll use something that's not found in scripture, even something wise or good. You'll use it to eclipse the word of God and to be a substitute for uh, the word of God. Rules without Christ don't stay in the same shape as scripture and can't stay in the same shape as uh, a, a scripture. So you'll be like the Sadducees and Pharisees who make a, a made a great show out of um, obeying um, certain laws, uh, certain purity laws while they're doing the worst uh, thing uh, possible. And there's ways in which uh, we do that um, as well if, if you're not relating to God through Christ and through uh, the gospel. Well, as we come this morning to uh, the Lord's table, uh, the Lord's Supper, it's good to be reminded of Christ. Good to be re- reminded to relate in your heart of hearts to the Almighty God, not through legalism, it's the only other option, but through Christ and through what's said and done uh, and reminded here at um, the Lord's table. In one way, what I've been telling you uh, this morning is that the problem of legalism is that its focus is too outward. It's too outward. Legalism uses outward things to disguise from the real issue, which is um, inward. And so uh, the problem of uh, legalism is it uses outward things like laws, uh, man-made laws, even things that are wise may, may actually be wise to cover something that is terribly wrong in uh, the heart. So uh, the problem with legalism is it's too outward. It's not inward enough. But in another way, from another angle, the problem with legalism is it's not outward enough. It's not outward enough. And what do I mean by that? Well, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The further you go into the human heart apart from Christ, the more legalism it's going to produce, the more kinds of hiding, the more kinds of legalism, the more kinds of subterfuge. It's just going to produce all different flavors of that. Uh, You'll find yourself a little bit like uh, the leper and the leper can be told, you know, your solution is not going to be outward things. It's not going to be finding, finding a wide brim hat to cover your leprosy or putting cologne on to cover the smell of your rotting flesh. The, problem is you. And the leopard say, yeah, I know. The problem is me, but I can't do anything about it because the further in I go, the more leprosy uh, I find. And so the problem for the leper is actually totally outward before it's inward. And that is uh, a salvation found 
outside of you in the person who's able to set you free. He's able to set you free even in your heart of hearts before God. And there's only one person. It's not going to be found inside of you. It's not going to be found in the elemental things. It's only going to be found in the person of Christ and the message that brings you into relationship with uh, Christ. So here at the Lord's table, the focus is personal. The focus is uh, a relationship. That's what we have with Christ. We have a, we're called into a personal relationship with Christ so that you speak to him. Tell him about uh, your, your troubles. Tell him about your temptations. And he speaks to you. He speaks to you uh, through his word. You have a relationship with him. So uh, here at the Lord's table, you'll see people handing trays, deacons coming, men coming. Uh, to serve the Lord's uh, table, the person next to you, passing a tray, giving you the elements of uh, the Lord's uh, Supper. You'll see people giving. You'll hear elders, I think, speaking. But don't be fooled by this. The ones whose hands are giving to you these tokens is Christ himself. And the ones whose mouth is speaking is Christ himself. He's speaking through his uh, disciples. The one who desires with great desire to say what he's going to say to you at the Lord's table and to give what he's going to give to you at the Lord's table, just like he did with his disciples when he said, with great desire, I've desired to have this supper with you. The one is Christ himself, the person of uh, Christ himself. And so he's here to remind you to put your trust in him as a person to put your trust in him personally. It's the death of knowing God through legalism in your heart of hearts is putting your trust in Christ. And it's the life of knowing God through the same kind of love that he pledges to you here that you know by uh, uh, faith. So let's bow before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, through Christ and through the faith in Christ uh, that you've given us, have cut off an old life that's about subterfuge and disguise and legalism and pretense and uh, coming up with um, laws that we can keep in order to distract from laws that we can't keep and uh, using them to keep our distance from you. And we thank you that it's the opening of a new kind of life, a life of grace, a life of undeserved favor, a life of love uh, for enemies, uh, a life of uh, love that never ceases, that is not based on deserving, a, a life of love that conquers all. And uh, this life is found through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we pray that as, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, as we hear the words spoken to us by the Lord himself, my body is for you. My blood is shed for the forgiveness of sins. We pray that you would use it to um, fan into flame our faith and to open the way to this life uh, of love. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.